You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another edition of the Halloween Calm Podcast. Alongside Mike Bassick, I'm Jared Sandler. The Rangers 5-10 and 10 to start the season. A uh, pretty tumultuous start, obviously weighted against the expectations in the year. Uh, you know, throughout the season, even good teams, I'm sure, have 15-game uh, stretches where they go 5-10, and 10, but when it's the beginning of the year, that's all you have to, to really go off of. And, uh, you know, I think that, obviously, the Rangers are way better than a 5-10 and 10 team, but uh, uh, they have some issues they got to work out, uh, the bullpen being chief among them. Uh, you know, one thing that's also interesting, the Rangers have won just one game of all the games that Hamels and Darvish have started. Uh, the bullpen is, is obviously partially to blame for that. Uh, I think those two starters individually – uh, deserve some of the blame as well. And you Darvish started the other night, and there's a lot of conversation about uh, you know him getting pulled in the sixth inning. For my money, you know I understand both sides of it. Uh, I think it does need to be pointed out that he was not pitching well in the sixth inning. And even though he might be your best pitcher on that staff in that sixth inning, 26 pitches into the inning, you know with the the lack of ability to throw strikes, I don't know in that moment that he was your best pitcher. Uh, you know, again, I understand both sides of this conversation. Uh, for the optics, I think it makes sense to leave you Darvish in if if you're trying to uh, look good in, in you know what you're doing, uh, because I think that's the easy decision. I think that what Jeff Bannister and Doug Brokale elected to do is not the easy decision, and obviously it didn't work out. And so because of that, they're the ones that get the blame. Uh, but uh, you know, in, in the court of public opinion, that is. But the reality is, I think if you were to stay with you Darvish, I think that the Rangers end up down. In that inning, they don't use not able to get out of it too. Too. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I'm not fervently on one side or the other. I don't think that it's a disgrace that you was pulled. I don't think that uh, you staying in was 110. Uh, percent You know, I'm going to put my life on the line. The best decision. But I'll be honest with you. When they went out and took the ball, when Jeff Bannister went out. I was not shocked in the least bit because of how poorly he was pitching and the way he was giving up runs, falling behind. I think if he was just getting hit hard, that'd be one thing. But because he was falling behind and getting hit hard, I think that's another thing. Boy, there's multiple things there, Jared. First of all, for a team to be five and ten, it's not the end of the world. It's a bad start by by any stretch, uh, but by any team. But man, there's a lot of things going wrong with the Texas Rangers. Like uh, questions that you wanted answered that you hoped would be this and this and this. They're just going bad. The bullpen has been horrible. Uh, you mentioned Hamels and Darvish. Uh, you know, Darvish Darvish has been okay, but still below his standards, I would hope. And then I know Cole Hamels has pitched below his standards the other day in, in Seattle when you get a 6-1 lead. And I know he didn't totally give up the lead, but he didn't do his job there, and he admitted that after the game. I would say with you, Darvish, and the situation there is there is – Somewhat of a clash of philosophy, and you can hear it in you, Darvish, when, at least through his interpreter, all I can go on what his interpreter says that he said uh, after a game is, he believes he's uh, executing or trying to do exactly what uh, he's been told to do, because he used the word 
in Japanese, he said being efficient. And I know that uh, Banny and Brokel have talked about you got to be more efficient with your pitches. So he's he's kind of in this shock mentality. You could tell he was in a bad mood. They had lost the game. He had gotten the loss on his record. Uh, that he's like, man, I felt like I was doing everything they were telling me to do by being efficient. So he uses that word, which I know that that is coming from the coaching staff. And then he feels like, but then I got taken out of the game and I was being efficient. And then to your point is a great point. From Banny's point of view, look, you walk a dude in Plouffe who you got to make him earn his way on base. If he's going to walk, it better be a 9 or 10 pitch walk where he just worked and battled and battled and he finally drew a walk. Not like you just gave him first base. You start off an inning with a 2-0 lead and you just give him first base. And then from there, Profar makes a really nice play to get an out for you. He throws a stupid pitch. Rosales. It's 3-1. You shouldn't be 3-1 and one on the worst hitter on the Oakland Athletics. And then you throw him a hanging slider. It's the only pitch he can really pop out of the ballpark. If you just trust your fastball, like I know that they want him to do, hey, he still might get a base hit or a double or something like that because you've gotten yourself in a 3-1 situation. But you got to be smarter and not throw the one pitch that he can tie the game up on. And then from there, it was tough because you get to the situation, and I use Mike Sosha as an example. Mike Sosha is a great manager. I thought he was a bad manager a few years ago for a few years because he had such a bad bullpen. And he would keep his starter in longer than he needed to. And then the starter would blow the game. And I bet Mike Sosha's point would be, what do you want me to do? Go to my sixth and seventh inning guys that seem to blow the majority of these games or go with the guy that's gotten me to this situation, even though he's tired, and try to, to give me three more outs to get the ball to guys that I believe have a better chance of closing out this win. And Banny's in a situation right now where if he leaves Darvish in, he probably gives it up, and then everybody's upset he left Darvish in too long. He goes to uh, Barnett. Barnett doesn't do his job. Barnett gives up the lead, and now it's you should have left in Darvish. That's when managers get questioned a lot, but the only right answer is the one that keeps the game tied at two, and we don't know if Darvish would have kept the game tied at two. It didn't look like he would have. All right, this is the Hello Income Podcast. He's Mike Bassick. I'm Jared Sandler. Uh, all right, so a 5-10 start. Obviously, uh, you know we, we dealt with one of the big stories, I guess you could say, through the first 15 games. Uh, it's been a little bit since... Sam Dyson blew his his last save, so you know there's been a lot of conversation about who's going to close. It appears that when the Rangers get into a save situation, now that Matt Bush is healthy, he's going to be the guy. Uh, but you know, in general, I want to take a step back. Five and ten, certain things are going great for the Rangers. Uh, you know, starting pitching, for instance, uh, they have one of the best starting pitching ERAs in you know in the American League. The offense is scoring runs, but doing so in a, a funky way with a lot of guys struggling. And then obviously there's always the defensive component. What's your biggest concern about this team? Something that you think through 15 games might be a storyline when we're talking in game 115, not something that's just an aberration due to small sample size. I think the offense is going to be fine. Uh, In fact, it's been one of the better offenses. You can't expect to score six runs every game. Uh, To me, it's the pitching. In general, pitching... Uh, specifically bullpen. Hopefully Matt Bush can solve some of the problems. I believe there's two guys down there that I'm not a fan of when they come into the game, and that's Housechild and Alvarez. I get really nervous that the game will get extended, as in the lead for the other team will get extended when they come into the game. From the starting pitching standpoint, it's honestly been pretty good numbers-wise, but 
and probably better than I expected, but I'm just, I'm still nervous about what that staff can give you throughout 162 games and there will be injuries. Uh, So what will happen when one of these guys gets hurt, who in the world are they going to put into the rotation and, and feel decent about? So I'm more concerned about starting pitching rather than offense. And then Jared, I'll leave you with this. I don't know how much the defense can get better. Yeah, I think that's my biggest concern. You know, I'm, I'm encouraged by Andrew Kashner. Uh, you know, I'm curious about Tyson Ross. So even though going into the year starting pitching was a big question for me, I feel better about the starting pitching, pitching than I do about the defense. And I just think that, you know, it's tough. You look at some of the guys that they have, you know, God bless Nomar Mazzara. Uh, he's got a hell of an arm. It's not that accurate, or at least consistently. Doesn't have a great range. Jerkson Profar, actually, you know, the last few games, he has been a little better in left field. But I, I don't know how good of a left fielder Jerkson Profar is. I think Carlos Gomez has been this team's best defensive player in center. Uh, I think that, you know, Elvis is, is going to end up the year being, you know, above average at short. Uh, you know, he's not the gold glove shortstop, but I think he'll be above average. I'm curious to see what type of strides Ruge makes. You know, it took Ian Kinsler a while. He's coming off a gold glove season, but it took Ian Kinsler, who I look at very similarly, a very young athletic second baseman when he was with the Rangers who wasn't consistently making enough plays, you know, and I wonder how long it takes for Ruggie to click at second. You know, Mike Napoli is, is an average at best first baseman. Uh, and Joey Gallo's, you know, I think he's doing okay at third, but he's not Adrian Beltre. Uh, so I just wonder, I don't know that defense is going to cost this team X amount of games. I'm not saying that, but I do. I am curious to see, you know, not how many games the defense is going to, contribute negatively, but I wonder how many games is the defense going to step up and make the big plays to preserve the one-run lead or to uh, prevent the multi-run deficit to give this team a chance to come back and win. And it just seems to me that in the first 15 games, in some of the critical moments late, the defense hasn't stepped up. Yeah, and when you think about this staff, and then I go back to the pitching staff, Matt Bush can get strikeouts where he can give your defense time off. Darvish can too. Now, who else on your staff out of the 10 other guys do you feel confident at this stage in their career are going to take pressure off the defense? You have to get 27 outs that the starter is going to give you 10 free outs as in you don't That's have fair. to defend the out because the pitcher got it all by himself. And then the reliever is going to go out there and out of the three outs he needs to get, let's just say in one inning that you're only going to have to make one defensive play because he can strike out two out of the three guys he faces. Matt Bush can. I think Leclerc can. Okay. Yeah. I, I agree with that early on. You know, I'm surprised real quick. I'm surprised LeClerc uh, wasn't used the other day uh, in relief over Kella pitching back-to-back days. It did. It ended up not harming them uh, at all. But I just thought, boy, LeClerc hasn't pitched. And, and I know the one game, I'm drawing blanks on them running together. But they're like, hey, we couldn't use LeClerc because he threw 29, 30 pitches. And I was like, okay, well, he's available today. And Kella just pitched yesterday. And then they pitched Kella. I was like, well, you know, this is one of those things where when I'm watching a game, I'm just like, I'm kind of excited to see LeClerc pitch more because I need to be sold more than I think you. I think you're more sold on LeClerc right now than I am pitching in the seventh, eighth inning with the lead. And I just want to see more of it. And maybe it's just me wanting to see more. I know. I understand. I, I, I wonder if them not using him the other night's an indication that, you know, he is, if not their primary, their secondary setup man who in a one or two run or three run game in the seventh or eighth inning, they want to use and they wanted to protect him for that possible situation yesterday. And when it didn't come about, 
You know, they realize, hey, well, instead of using up Tony Barnett again or Jeremy Jeffers, who's pitched a lot, let's use Jose LeClerc, who I think at that point hadn't pitched in, I want to say, four days or three days. Or, uh, But I wonder if that's that's kind of an indication of the responsibility they're prepared to, to give Jer- or, uh, Jose LeClerc now that, you know, Matt Bush has been moved to the closer spot. Yeah. Um, all right, so we got some questions here. Question about Mike Napoli. I thought Banny had some interesting comments after the game yesterday saying that, you know, he's just trying to find his rhythm. He's not getting a lot of good pitches to hit. And so when he is getting those good pitches, the lack of rhythm is is preventing him from taking advantage of it. And perhaps because he's not getting a lot of good pitches as well, he's trying to create good pitches by by chasing. And, uh, you know, that's weak contact, that's strikeouts, whatever the case. But uh, what are you seeing from Mike Napoli? I'm just seeing a guy that's missing some hittable pitches, chasing a little bit, just like Banny said. But for me... I just didn't see him when he signed being a number three or four-hole hitter, and I know that Beltre being out has forced him into that role, but I honestly would like to see him against left-handers. He can bat fifth for me because you know his left-handed numbers throughout his career has been very good. His right-handed numbers recently, they got better in Cleveland. They were horrible in Boston slash Texas uh, the year before, is when a right-handed pitcher is pitching – uh, to move him down in the lineup to 7th or 8th in the lineup so he doesn't have to bat as much uh, against that starting pitcher. That being said, then you start saying, well, who do you move up? Uh, obviously, LaCroix off to a bad start as a hitter. You don't want to hit three lefties back-to-back-to-back, so you can't go like Mazzara, Odor, Chu in any type of order because then you run into a big issue in the 7th, 8th inning with a lefty specialist coming in if those guys are coming up. But when you're healthy, and that means Beltre being healthy, I would like to see Napoli move back in the lineup. He's a winning player. He's obviously proven that. He likes coming up with games on the line, with divisions on the line. He's proven that throughout his career, that he is a guy you want on your in your clubhouse, on the field, when things are pressure situations. He seems to come through in those deals, but I would just like to see against right-handed starting pitchers. And I'll give him this homestand. After this homestand, even if other guys aren't performing against right-handed starting pitchers, let's just move them back in the lineup so he's not batting after your three best hitters. Example, real quick, second and third, one run in, nobody out, four, five, six come up, and this isn't just Napoli. He didn't bat all three times, and you get zero runs out of that situation. You scored one in that. That was the Griffin start. But that was... That's a little concerning. I believe that will be very fixable, though, Jared. All right, uh, let's go. Some rapid-fire questions from uh, from Twitter. The, we got a few people asking. Let's see, Rockwall Twins. Uh, Tim's asking this. Uh, um, and then Sawyer, Dean, is asking this. Wanting to know what happens with, uh, with Gallo when Beltre returns. My quick answer is, let's just wait until we get even closer to when Beltre is going to return because we really have no idea when that is at this point definitively. And a lot can happen whether someone's lacking production, someone gets hurt. That might make that answer really easy. Uh, you know, I, yeah, we, we hypothetically, if we wanted to entertain the reality that Beltre's back tomorrow, we could, but it's not like we even know when he's going to be back. So it's really tough to answer that question. Yeah, I agree. I would just say if uh, Gallo is doing well at the time, you have plenty of things you can do with him. If Napoli's struggling a little bit, then Gallo bats against right handed starting pitchers and Napoli platoons there. Uh, Gallo is athletic enough to go to left field. He has a very good arm, so he can play outfield if you need him to play outfield. And then with Beltre's leg situation, when he comes back, who's to say that he won't need a day off a little bit more than last year because you're trying to keep those legs healthy. So 
Gallo could still be an everyday player for you. He just becomes like this utility third baseman, first baseman, left fielder. Yeah, Hayden wants to know why Profar is the only person who's gotten a real shot in left field and if Gallo will play their own Beltre's back. I think we both acknowledge that there's a possibility that Gallo could end up there. As far as Profar getting the only real shot, you know, I think Rue has gotten some chances. It's been tough because they haven't been consistent at bats, but he's got to you know be able to produce in those spots. But, you know, the plan going in was Profar would start against righties, and the Rangers just haven't faced a lot of starting left-handed pitchers, and I think that's one reason why we've seen a lot of uh, jerks and Profar in left field. Yeah, you know, the other thing, too, is, and this is a totally different question that I will ask, and I don't know the answer to. I wasn't a switch hitter. If you don't hit from one side for, let's just say, six weeks to eight weeks, like Profar, and a lefty comes in, and let's just say you used Rua in another situation— do you go ahead and bat right-handed or do you just stick with the – like you've had 100 at-bats in a row from the left side, zero from the right side, and it's been six weeks since you swung off live pitching uh, right-handed. I just wonder what Profar will do. I bet he bats right-handed because he is a switch hitter, but that's kind of maybe more of a future thing that I'm thinking of, Jared, of I wonder if batting as a switch hitter is best for Profar's career. I guess we'll have to wait and see. That's a fair yeah. question. Uh, all right, uh, he's Mike Bassick. I'm Jared Sandler. Thanks for tuning into the Hello Wing Calm podcast. You can catch us every week right here on 105.3thefan.com.